In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, here with the 105th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast, everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. Yes, the offensive coordinator search is heating up, we're expected to hear something today from Coach Dan Quinn, we're reporting that Dirk Cutter has been offered the job, and the team said an agreement has not been reached yet, so stay tuned. That just means they going to get that done here this morning is what we're reading into that, but stay tuned for that. You know, despite other reports out there, Adam Gase is only interviewing for head coaching jobs. He's not a candidate. Gary Kubiak was wishful thinking he got blocked by the Denver Broncos because he's still under contract. Uh, Daryl Bevo, he uh, is a good candidate and a good coordinator. Uh, according to, uh, you know, our folks that say, uh, you know, that and uh, did some background on him. And, uh, you know, his offenses in Seattle just weren't spectacular. He had a young Russell Wilson most of the time. It leaned heavily on the running game, a power running game, an outside zone scheme with Tom Cable coaching up front. So, um, you know, he's a good coach. I know the kid from when he played at the University of Wisconsin. He was their first big superstar quarterback, they thought. Uh I think he went to the Rose Bowl with them and, uh, you know, Baz back in the Ron Dane, Brett Moss days and so forth. Uh, he was also, uh, you know, he was late kid. He um, was a Mormon, did a, a, well, a mission in Cleveland, Ohio, knocking on doors in some bad neighborhoods and so forth. So he's a good guy, but um, looks like he's going to not be the guy. Mike Malarkey didn't seem to make sense, but, uh, you know, he's a fine man, runs a power offense, the old school bingo Steelers, uh, you know, trap moving power stuff that was so good here uh, under Coach Mike Smith with a power back and Mike Turner and a fullback in a traditional offense set. So, um, and then, I mean, they do have a tight end coach opening. So, I, I know they could do a whole lot worse than Malarkey. At that spot, but I'm pretty sure he's, you know, after being a three-time head coach and offensive coordinator in the league, you know, probably tight end coach is not on his bucket list at this time. So there we go. Uh, that's where we're at here this morning on the um, Bowtie Chronicles 105th episode with the offensive coordinator. Search is heating up. It's hot, so stay on top of things today. Keep your head on a swivel, and we'll certainly do the same as we're working on stories for the Super Bowl uh, down here in the lab, uh, as the Super Bowl will be in Atlanta on February 3rd. And segue into our next point today, 
The Saints and the Chiefs are the favorites to make it to the Super Bowl. That'd be uh that'd be a classic one. You know, the Chiefs haven't been to the Super Bowl, I think, since Hank Stram back in the uh good old days. Uh shoot, Marty Schottenheimer couldn't get him over the hump there. Uh there was a low after Stram. Uh then Marty had some good teams there with Joe Montana and Marcus Allen and so forth. So I believe that's correct. But yeah, that'll be a throwback Super Bowl entry if the Chiefs can make it through the AFC. The uh Second team is the Patriots over there, of course. So, and uh, the NFC favorite is the Saints. And we uh, put up the odds there on the website on AJC.com with regards to the Super Bowl odds. And uh, the Saints and the Chiefs are the favorites. The uh, Patriots are the second favorite in the AFC. The Cowboys are the long shot altogether. And uh, the second second place NFC team is the Rams. So, um, that could be the Saints-Chiefs would be an interesting Super Bowl. Uh, New England Saints would be uh, just uh, for Falcon fans. They couldn't get excited about either one of those teams. Uh, Rams-Chiefs would be dynamite. That was that high-scoring game in the regular season. Uh, my door course to get here is the Chargers. I really like the way they play, but their backs are banged up. The defense, uh, I really like Gus Bradley. Met him down at the Senior Bowl a few years back. Man, what a gutsy move he did against Baltimore to go seven DBs to shut down that running game. And, man, none of his guys backed down a yard. So, um, you know, there's uh, there's that. I keep an eye on those Chargers. That was one of the great uh, performances of the wild card round. And, man, you don't really want to count out the Eagles. You know, the old never underestimate the heart of the champion deals out there uh, with those guys. They're going to be a tough out. And uh, just for your viewing purposes to get your plans together for the weekend, uh, the Colts and the Chiefs are on Saturday at 12, at 435. Cowboys and Rams at 8.15 on Fox. Uh, the Colts and Chiefs are on NBC at 4.35. Then on Sunday, y'all going to get to church, then come home. Uh, and you got the Chargers at New England at 1.05 on CBS. And then the Eagles and the Saints at 4.40 p.m. on Fox. So, yeah, I'm just giving y'all the times because I know, you know, sometimes the wife schedules a, a trip to somewhere right in the middle of the game. And on Wednesday, you agree to it. And then on Sunday, you're like, whoa, 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 we got the game here. So, yeah, so I'm blocking out. You know, those two days there, I'll go to church, and we'll get home, and I'll we'll do football, and I'll have to go over to my buddy's house, Reggie Hurst, to see the Cowboy game. He's a big Cowboy fan, so I'll go do that on Saturday night. Hey, and then some more Falcon news here. We move on. we got six items today. We usually do five, but we can get six in. The OC update. The Saints and Chiefs favorite for the Super Bowl. Julio Jones out of the Pro Bowl. I want to look at um, 
it's been bugging me, but Calvin Ridley and Marvin Harrison. I went and did some 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 work on that comparison. I want to share that with you all. I'm just gonna keep it in the file for now. Maybe a story for later. Uh, the compensatory picks. We got some projections on that. Some good news there, and then we got some local uh, finalists in the Pro Football Hall of Fame uh, uh, selection meeting that'll be on the Saturday before the Super Bowl. So we did Cutter, we did Saints and the Chiefs. Julio Jones is out of the Super Bowl as of uh, Pro Bowl, which is in January, which is uh, January 27th in Orlando. Uh, you know, he finished the season, he started the season saying it's the healthiest he's been in a while. Ended the season with hip and rib injuries and, you know, he was walking funny. Uh, but he went out there and gutted it out and, uh, Played uh, played all final three games. He might have been a decoy in that third one. They threw it to him early and then kind of you know went to everybody else. Uh, but by the end, last game, he was fine. Nine catches, one thirty-eight touchdown against the uh, Tampa Bay in that one route where he just ran across the back of the end zone. He looked just fine there. But uh, out of the Pro Bowl, Mike Evans from Tampa Bay will take his place. We're, um, you know, Alex Mack is the other Falcon going to the Pro Bowl. Then you have the three alternates, which, you know, Matt Ryan at quarterback, Austin Hooper, the tight end, and Justin Bethel, the special teams player. So, yeah, let me get to this comparison here. Marvin Harrison and Calvin Ridley, because that's who he reminds me of. And, uh... Uh, so I went back and said, hey, well, how, what did Marvin do in his rookie year? And their, their heights and weights are similar. Uh, Calvin's six foot one, 190. Uh, Marvin is six foot oh, 181, according to his uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame bio. And when he was a rookie, he was 24, which is when Calvin came into the league at the same age, 24, which is a little late, but uh, that struck. That was really mad. I was like, oh, this is just bizarre. They were the same age. I knew the height and weight was the same. Uh, route running was just precise at Syracuse, like really was at Bama. And uh, so I wanted to know how he did in his first year, uh, how Marvin did in his first year in the league. And then compare it to what Ridley did in the league. So um, Harrison, who came out of Philly and played at Syracuse, they had they both caught sixty four passes last year. Uh, Harrison got targeted one hundred eighteen times, sixty four catches, eight hundred thirty six yards, and eight touchdowns. Averaged uh, thirteen point one yards a catch. Man, and this just got real spooky as I kept going. Uh, Calvin, 64 catches, same thing on, on 92 throws. He got, uh, that's 18 plus 8, 24 less targets than Harrison. I remember Harrison dropping stuff early. That might have been the problem there early on, but they kept coming to him and they stayed with him. Same thing the Falcons have to do with Calvin. 821 yards, that's just 16 less, 15 less, but he had the 10 touchdowns, you know, setting the franchise record for a rookie. Um, Harrison only got into the end zone eight times. And uh, uh, Calvin averaged 12.8 yards 
per catch the first year. So that's a, man, that's an on-time comparison. And now, um, you know, now you, you want to go, hey, can he do the whole thing? Can he do what Marvin Harrison did, which was quite incredible, over 13 seasons? He went on to play 12 more seasons, finished his career with 1,102 catches, eight Pro Bowls, six All-Pros, and went into Canton in the class of 2016 uh, into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So I'm not putting Ridley in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but I'm going to track to see if he stays on the Marvin Harris pace. Marvin Harrison, the fine receiver from Philadelphia and the Indianapolis Colts. He wasn't a big fan of the media, so he didn't talk that much. But uh, uh, most people, there were some good stories out there on him, and uh, does a lot of work in his community. There's a you know some other issues that 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 came up, but we won't go into those here today. Now, uh, a lot of people, you know, know about the compensatory picks, and uh, but hardly anybody can figure out the formula. And but there's a um, young man, Nick Cortai, over at Over the Cap, who does the projections on what teams will receive for uh, losing free agents in the prior year, which is the basics of the formula. Uh, and the Falcons are are projected, and this will be absolutely dynamite. Um, to get a fourth-round pick for losing Don Terry Poe and a fifth-round pick for losing Taylor Gabriel, who they need want. That's why they drafted Ridley. So that would be a bonus pick. You know, fourth and uh, fifth-round picks, you know, of recent uh, picks. Fifth-round pick, Grady Jarrett. He's uh, turned out to be pretty good. So you can find stuff in the fifth round. Fourth-round pick, uh, Sean Harlow, still waiting to play his first game in the NFL after two years. So you could miss in the fourth. You could hit in the fifth. Uh, you know, another old fifth-round pick was Croy Beerman. So, um, you know, you can find players that help your team, and the Falcons got to do that. They absolutely have to hit. Uh, if they could hit on some linemen, that'd be awesome. Uh, but they need to hit on some maybe defensive tackles, linebackers. You can, can't never have enough good players. So, you got nine picks. You got two extra ones coming back. Uh, get the biggest. I get the biggest tackle you can find and eat up blocks. But I think Deidre Sinat's going to be fine, too, uh, going forward as he gets, uh, he knows his way around the trenches of the NFL. So there we go, the compensatory picks. And then lastly here, we're going to wrap up here at the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Want to congratulate a few people who uh, informed Falcon, Tony Gonzalez, for making it through to the finalist list for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. The uh, voting will be here in Atlanta on Saturday, February the 2nd. I'm not sure which hotel we'll be at, but that's usually a long day, but and a hard day, and a really, really hard, tough day to, to you know, pare that list down to from 15 people to five when everybody on that list is deserving. Uh, maybe this is John Lynch's year. We'll see. Um, a lot of people that uh, didn't get through um, 
you know, uh, you know, it's tough. Leroy Butler, I thought he should have got through. Uh, you know, maybe Clay Matthews Sr. But anyway, but let's congratulate the three people with local ties that are that are going to be discussed in that room to go into the halls of the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. Former Falcons tight end Tony Gonzalez. Former Georgia cornerback Champ Bailey and former Georgia defensive lineman Richard Seymour. Man, it's first time in the room for all three of those guys. Ooh, Tony, and we'll see how it goes. It's gonna be a uh, it's gonna be tough. I never know how the voters are gonna go, uh, but uh, there's no sure locks in this thing. Uh, a lot of people. Uh, you know, try to call people first ballot Hall of Famer. Now that I've been in that room for a while, I don't ever do that. I want to wait and hear from the other 47 selectors. Uh, and, you know, everybody does a great job of researching and pre- presenting. Uh, yeah, myself and probably Therese Paler from Yahoo Sports, formerly of the Kansas City Star, will probably uh, be doing Tony's presentation. Or I'll at least have something to say uh, from the floor on his behalf. So with that, take care from the 105th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. It's uh, expecting some news, you know, this week, possibly as early as today. Then we can move on to some of the offseason things. Look like we're going to miss the Senior Bowl this year uh, because we'll be doing Super Bowl work. And then uh, after this week, the AJ team, AJC, will be getting out to the NFC and AFC Championship games to give you all stories on the teams coming to Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta. So with that, we're going to sign off today from the 105th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Take care and have a great rest of the week. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.